The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans in chapter number 15. Romans chapter number 15 this morning. And uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, since about February or so, we've been studying and making our way through the uh, book of Romans. And here in the next several weeks, we'll be concluding that, about a year-long study or so through the book of Romans. Uh, but each and every segment, if you may, we've broken it up into smaller segments and uh, entitled them with different series titles. Uh, the first one being Romans 1 through 5, chapters 1 through chapters 5, and we entitled that series Law and Order. And as the Apostle Paul, of course, is focusing on the fact that every single one of us as individuals, human beings, are, are guilty of sin. We were born with a sin nature, and out of that sin nature, if we were to stand before God in and of ourselves and by ourselves, uh, we would have to uh, face the penalty and the punishment uh, for our sin nature, that punishment being a penalty in a place called hell for all of eternity. We're thankful, though, that the Apostle Paul had not stopped writing uh, when he got to chapter number 5, because he got to chapter 6 and 7 and 8, and we entitled that series Amazing Grace, as we consider the fact that God's grace is not earned uh, because of legalism. We don't earn it because of our, our, the way we live or how we accomplish things. It is a gift of God's grace, uh, and grace is that being, uh, I'm sorry, it is a gift from God. Grace is grace being unmerited favor. We also learn that grace does not give us a license either. Uh, so we don't, we don't get to just live however we want to because of grace. But actually grace is an amazing gift that God has given us. And it's something that we experience not only when we accept Christ as our Savior, but it's something that we experience day in and day out as we yield to His Holy Spirit. In chapter number 8, he speaks of the life of the Spirit in the believer's life and, and how he impacts the, the believer and how he guides and, and how we are to submit to him and the wonderful gift that the Holy Spirit is from God, all part of his grace. Then, of course, in chapters 9, 10, and 11, that parenthetical portion of the book of Romans where Paul really focuses on the Jewish recipient here at the Church of Rome, we called that series Supremely Sovereign as, as uh, the Apostle Paul focused on uh, the sovereignty of God and how God is in control and, and how he fashioned everything and, and how he had brought salvation not to only to the Jew but also to the Gentile, to the whole world. And then, of course, when we got into chapter number 12 and through where we are at today, we've entitled this series and uh, we've entitled it Transformed as we have seen the work of the Holy Spirit now transforming our lives from the inside out. And uh, several weeks now, we have been discussing the obligations that we share in regard to one another as believers. And I'd like to pick up again in verse number 1 of Romans 15. And notice with me in Romans 15 and verse number 1. We then uh, that are stronger ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we the, uh, through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another uh, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God, uh, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings and then we'll move on this morning. Now, Father, we thank you for this opportunity again to be in your house. I'd ask this morning that you give me the word to speak as I deliver your message, Lord, uh, that you help us to hear from, from your word and uh, that we might uh, hear from your word to apply it to our lives, that we might be able to uh, live a life here on this earth guided by you, guided by your spirit, by scripture uh, that would uh, bring honor and glory to you uh, in the face of a, of a lost and dying world. Lord, I ask now that you would be honored and glorified through the things that are said and done here this morning as we receive your word and that your will might be accomplished. If there happens to be someone here this morning that doesn't yet know you as their Savior, would you convict their heart of their need of you today and uh, that they might trust you today before it's eternally too late? Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we've been focusing the last several weeks on what the the scripture teaches about our obligations towards one another as believers or how we are to interact with one another uh, we understand that although we are all individuals given specific and separate gifts of the lord we all make up uh, one local assembly we make up the body of christ and and we've already discussed how when if we have certain aspects of our life and and uh, certain gifts and and uh, certain roles to play within the body of christ within this local assembly that the only way that the church can truly be strong and flourish and function correctly is if each and every one of us are playing our part and doing uh, our part using the gifts that the lord has given us for his honor and for his glory not so that we might be uh, praised, not so that we might be applauded, but that the Lord's will might be accomplished and that glory might be brought to Him. Now we understand that as we, as we do that, that means that we have a specific place to, to function and a role to play. And with that specific place to function in and role to play, when I am missing in that area or when I refuse to fulfill that, that, uh, that opportunity that the Lord has given me, it just hinders the work of the Lord. In order for the church to function as it should, each member must be in their place, embraced and encouraged by the entire body, and while making contributions according to the gifts that we have been given and are able to use for the glory of God. That means that as I function in my role as pastor, you have a role to function in as the church member that you are. And as you function as church members and in the place that God has placed you, using the gifts that he has given you, guess what? We must work in unity as well in that area. For if one, was, one member is serving in this area and another member is serving in this area, and your service causes fighting and bickering, then what's truly being accomplished? We said, it, we, we, Paul's already likened it to the body, right? Could you imagine? And I mean, some of you can imagine. Some have experienced sicknesses or illnesses or diseases where your body actually attacks itself. Your body isn't functioning the way that it ought to at that point. And you're not able to function the way that you would want to. Your body in its parts has a function and a purpose. And if it's not functioning right, and if it's not functioning in the purpose that it has been made for, then things don't work like they ought to. And that is true for the church as well. We've talked about the diversity of the church and the harmony that can be found among such diversity as well. And we remember that Paul is writing here to the church at Rome. Rome 
of course, uh, uh, was kind of the, the uh, rule of the entire known world at that time. And, and uh, here being the focal point of it, their reach, the, the Roman Empire's reach and influence uh, was felt in every providence, or province, I'm sorry, that Paul would ever minister into. It w- the, the, their rule and their reign was far-reaching. And Paul knew the importance that while there was much diversity in the people that he was ministering to. There was much diversity within the church at Rome that there was also a necessity for unity. Not uniformity, but unity within that church and within the church as a a whole. Can I say this morning that the modern church and MVBC or Mountain Vista in particular is no exception to this rule either. Here we are sitting amongst ourselves this morning. I look on a cr- out on a crowd with a, cr- a crowd that truly has much diversity amongst it. People from different areas of the, of the country, even different parts of the world even this morning, right? And we all have our different roles and we have our different backgrounds. We have our different uh, influences that have impacted our lives. But the Lord has brought us together today for one specific purpose, to accomplish His work and to accomplish His will. And while we are here, while we are vastly different in many ways, we can all be united under one thing. That is the glory of the Lord. And if we are not united in that way, then this church will not function in the way that it should in the capacity in which the Lord desires for it to to function. We have a diverse congregation coming from many different backgrounds, and each and every one of us here with our different backgrounds and different upbringings and different influences in our life all have different gifts as well. And in order to function in a way that pleases the Lord and accomplishes His purpose, each ought to be functioning in their place, contributing to the work of the Lord while being embraced and encouraged by others among the body as well. Unity is imperative. Unity is a necessity of the church if it is going to function properly for the Lord. Our differences should not create division. Can I say that again? Our differences should not create division. We are different, but that does not mean that it has to be divisive. Uh, it, It should actually allow us to minister more effectively because where I can't reach one person, you might be able to reach, an, uh, reach that person. Where I might not quite grasp the background of an individual as I talk with them because of your upbringing and your circumstances, you may. And our differences actually don't have to hinder. They can actually help the work of the Lord to continue on. In fact, Paul continues with this theme as, he, as we begin in the chapter number 15 as he tells the stronger to bear the infirmities of the weak. As he speaks of how Christ came and proved to be our example. And that's what i like to speak about this morning as we go through these first seven verses of chapter 15 of the book of Romans. And that is Christ our example. He set an example for us on how we ought to live and how we ought to function within his church. And how we ought to interact and encourage and embrace one another with the love of Christ as well. Now before I jump into the first point this morning. As I mentioned earlier, we normally have an early service, and this being the later service, so those who come to the early service, there's not much difference, because I'm preaching this message for the first time, you're normally the ones that get it for the first time. 
But those of you who come to the second service, you normally hear a more polished uh, uh, message because I've already preached it once. And so you get a little insight into how this first service crowd gets it. But with the Lord's help, we'll, of course, learn from his word this morning exactly what we're here to learn today. And so I want you to notice with me, number one, as we consider Christ our example, notice with me, number one, he speaks of our responsibility. Look at verses one and two again. In verse number one, it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and, uh, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Here we find, as Paul writes to these Roman believers, the, that we discover the responsibilities of each and every member of the church, the body that it shares with one another. The responsibilities that we have among the church and with, uh, with each other as believers include such things as this, as we notice in verse number one, it includes sacrifice. Our responsibility as a believer and as a, as a member here at Mountain Vista Baptist or, or, or as, a, as a churchgoer, as someone who desires to, to focus on the will of God and accomplishing his work and accomplishing his miss, mission, as a believer, I have a responsibility to you and you have a responsibility to me and we have a responsibility to each other as believers and it includes sacrifice because notice what he says there here in verse number one, that we that are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. When I have to come into meeting the, uh, the, the, the issues and, and experiencing the struggles of another person, it truly is a sacrifice on my end. I have my own struggles. <laughs> I have my own trials. I have my own problems, let alone trying to enter into the pain of someone else. But here Paul instructs the believers in Rome and us today that we are to, we when we are strong, those who are more mature in, in Christ are to be there to help support and to embrace those who are weaker. Paul challenges a common attitude uh, of human nature. What is that attitude? The attitude of selfishness. He challenges that attitude. Each and every one of us are prone to be more focused on self than anyone else. We understand that Paul wrote in Philippians that Jesus Christ set our example and that we ought to uh, consider others higher than ourselves. That we ought to consider the problems of others as well. In fact, being an effective member within the body of Christ goes against much of our human attitude. Being an effective uh, uh, member and, and, and one that accomplishes the will of God oftentimes goes against the grain of human nature because God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts greater than our thoughts. Somewhere with e within each and every one of us is the desire to take the easy path, to take the easy way out, not to endure the hard times, not to go through the struggle. It's almost as if we are born to want to find a way to skirt around everything in our life. You want to know what that, that born tendency is called? It's called sin. Because sin has caused us to have a separation from God and be having a separation from God and, his, and his, a, a relationship with Him and knowing Him and His ways and, his, and, and how He functions has caused us to be completely contrary to what He is. And having a sinful flesh and a human nature, automatically we have a propensity to try to go against the things of God. Here Paul says, hey, bear one another's burdens. 
Here Paul says, hey, consider the infirmities of the weak and bear their infirmities, not for yourselves, but for their sakes. And we automatically want to fight against that. It does, it, 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 he's not even just talking about burying the infirmities of your own personal family. But we let, let alone someone we don't even know or we don't know, know well. But he is saying here that we are to bear the infirmities of the weaker brother or sister of Christ in Christ. That new Christian that has just recently been saved, that one that has just come to know Christ as their Savior and they're experiencing troubles and struggles in their Christian walk, the one that is more mature ought to come alongside them and encourage them through this race that we call the Christian life. But many a times we focus only on what we're experiencing. And we don't care about everyone else. And we, we uh, consider only our own struggles. My friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that in order to, to, to live a life that is, that is going to bring honor and glory to our Lord and edify the, the, the work of our Lord, it is going to take some sacrifice on our end. Remember, Paul has already spoken here in verse number three, for even Christ pleased not himself. He refers to Christ as our example. Did not Christ pay the ultimate sacrifice for you and I to have salvation? He endured the cross. He experienced the suffering that he experienced. He sacrificed his life so that you and I might live. And if he is the ultimate example of everything of the Christian life in every manner of faith and practice, then we cannot negate this example that he set before us of sacrifice. We have a responsibility to one another. And sometimes that's going to involve sacrifice. But notice number two, that our responsibility in verse number two also sometimes re it involves support. Verse number two says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. We're not only expected to sacrifice to, to bear the infirmities of the weak, but we're also expected to live in such a way that supports or builds up the entire body. He says there in verse number two that as it, to please his neighbor for his good to, what's that last word in verse number two? Edification. That word edification means to build up. You consider like the outside or the edifice of a building. That's what this word literally is referring to. And when we edify one another, we are building each other up. We're supporting one another. Have you ever experienced a hard time? You ever been through a season of life where it seemed like everything that could go wrong always went wrong? What do they call that? Murphy's Law, right? Like, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong? You ever been there and maybe had someone come up alongside you and just put their arm around you and encourage you during that time? Or send you an encouraging text or a letter uh, or, or, or whatever the case might be, but they edified you through that time. They built you up and said, hey, I know that you're going through a tough time right now, but this too shall pass. That person was fulfilling their responsibility as a believer. That person was, was fulfilling their responsibility in the body of Christ, the responsibility to sacrifice so that they might be able to bear the infirmities of the weak. They're, they're, they were fulfilling their responsibility of supporting the one who was a little weak at the time, had fallen on some hard times. Our lives are to be lived in a way that will encourage, build up, and benefit the body of Christ as a whole. Can I tell you that it does not benefit the body of Christ when we're bickering and fighting with one another? 
It does not build up the body of Christ when we are always looking for our, our own selves and our own wants and our own desires. My friends, the Christian life is a life that is lived as a servant, not in the spotlight. If you think the Christian life is always going to be about you getting the limelight and the applause and the pat on the back and the attaboy and the gifts and the, and the accolades and the recognition, then you have the wrong idea of what the Christian life is about. But we as believers have a responsibility within the body of Christ. And that responsibility is going to include sacrifice at times. It's going to include sometimes being up late at night at the bedside by somebody that needs you. It's going to be sometimes where you come along and, and, you, and you give up your own wants and desires for the betterment of somebody else sometimes. It's going to be where you support one another, where, you're going, where they're going through hard times and struggling through tough times, and you say, you know what, I'm here for you. You can make it through. I'm going to be here alongside of you. Paul uses Christ as our example for no doubt he sacrificed for us, but does he not support us as well? We can come boldly before the throne of grace, my friends. We have the opportunity to come and pray to the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of everything. And he has an ear that hears us. And he supports us. Notice not only, number one, our responsibility, but notice, number two, our representation. In verses three and four, he says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Here Paul provides solid and convincing examples for us to follow in our service for the Lord as we act within the body of Christ. Consider with me as we look at verse number three, our Savior's obedience. Verse number three, he says that even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For those who may struggle with maybe being submissive or, or falling in line and, and giving of themselves for the good of others, could we consider looking no further than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Bear in mind that Jesus was the eternal preexistent God. He is the I am. He is the one that, as we read in Genesis chapter number one, that let us make man in our own image. He was there in the beginning. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is the eternal, preexistent God, and he came to this earth and gave himself a sacrifice for you and I. And scripture tells us that he did it in obedience to his heavenly father. See, our representation, we, in our representation, we understand our Savior's obedience. Jesus fully submitted himself to the will of God in order to redeem mankind. He, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The one that had never, ever experienced the pain and the, and the torment and the turmoil of sin took upon himself the sins of all the past and all the present and every future sin that we would ever experience and commit. And he took it upon himself so that you and I might be saved. And he did it willingly. He did it submissively. The sinless lamb of God bore the sin of the entire world upon our behalf. 
And he suffered and endured unspeakable agony in our place. Matthew 26, 39 says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Many a times we pray, Lord, let my will be done. When instead we ought to pray, Lord, thy will be done. We read in John 12, 27, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Christ willingly and submissively bore the agony and the pain of the cross. If Jesus, the Son of God, the living God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, was willing to submit himself for the benefit of others, could we not do the same also? We have so many opportunities to be able to serve the Lord. We have so many opportunities to be able to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. But the reason I'm convinced, the reason why it is not being accomplished is because no one is willing to submit and say, I will do the hard thing. We enjoy sitting in these padded pews. We enjoy the fact that it's heated in the wintertime and that it's cooled in the summertime. We enjoy all the comforts. We enjoy all the things that we enjoy coming to the church house and being fed from the word of God, but we're not willing to get out there and do something for the Lord. The command that Christ gave was, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But our response to that is, oh God, only if it's convenient for me. Jesus Christ, the God, God himself, willingly submitted himself in obedience for the good of you and I. Could we not take a few moments throughout the week to be the witness that we ought to be? Could we not submit to serving in a Sunday school class or helping in a nursery or, or, uh, or, or ushering so that someone might be able to sit down or sitting out, sitting out here in the parking lot and uh, helping guide people and greeting people as they come in with our parking lot? Could we not just spare a moment of time in service for the Lord? Or are we too wrapped up upon ourselves? My friends, we're talking about our responsibility as believers within the body of Christ. We're talking about our representation within the body of Christ, and we consider our Savior's obedience. He willingly submitted. He didn't, I promise you this, because the scripture says so, he didn't desire the cross. It wasn't like, ooh, yay, I get to go hang on the cross. He literally said, if this could pass from me, let it pass from me. But ultimately he said, Lord, your will be done. There's days that I don't always feel like standing up here and preaching the word. But I've been called to do it. And even in those days when I don't feel like it, I get up here and preach it. Because the Lord's will be done. There's days that I don't always feel like going out and knocking on doors and, and trying to persuade someone to know Christ. But it's a command that has been given. And therefore, I do it willingly and submissively. Notice not only our Savior's obedience, but notice the Scripture's ordinance in verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. Paul knew the Christian life of service and sacrifice would be difficult many a times. There would be times of adversity. There would be times of defeat. There would be times where many were tempted to listen to the flesh and to please themselves rather than seeking to edify the body. 
And he was saying in those moments of weakness, there is a constant source of strength that is available to the believer. You want to know what that constant source of strength and encouragement is? It's the word of God. We read there in verse number four, it says, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We have hope that the Lord's will will be accomplished. We have hope that the Lord will ultimately do what he's promised to do. Can I say this morning that we read through the scriptures and we read and we, and we, we see the lives and the stories of men and women in the scriptures that stayed faithful to God and they were committed to obedience to, the, to their Lord. But I promise you not everything went as they planned. Consider Noah. Noah served and served and served. He built the ark. When it was all said and done, when the, when the finished uh, product was finished, and the, he said, hey, everyone come and get on the ark. Who came with him? Only his family. Everyone else mocked and ridiculed, and they said, no, not uh, that. We ain't listening to this crazy man named Noah. Abraham waited for 25 years for the promise, the promise of a son. God promised it. Abraham expected it probably the next day. You say, that's not how it works, Pastor. I'm just saying, that's probably what he expected, all right? But he waited 25 years for that promise to come to fruition. Was God lazy in his promise? No, his promise came to fruition right on his time. We consider Daniel. As we're, we're studying through the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights, and Daniel served, served faithfully not only God, but also wicked heathen kings for those many years in a foreign country never ever returning back to his homeland before his death jeremiah preached and yet his message fell upon deaf ears being rejected and persecuted for his faith paul suffered much adversity pain and even imprisonment for the sake of the gospel and we even read here our prime example jesus came and his own received him not but through it all each one of those things are recorded in the scriptures for our comfort and for our hope. When we consider our representation, we considered our Savior's obedience, and we consider our, the scripture's ordinances as well, these all endured faithfully in the midst of extreme difficulty. And we too can serve the Lord with faithfulness as well. Notice lastly with me as I close our relationship. In verses 5 through 7, he says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Here we discover the beautiful relationship that we share with Christ or in Christ, all being part of his glorious body. He speaks of our purpose in verse number five and is Paul prayed that God would provide the patience and the consolation that each of us would need in order to accomplish the ultimate goal. What is our ultimate goal? That we build a big church here? Not necessarily. What is our ultimate goal? That we might come in here and we might have a fellowship with one another? That, that's a good thing, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find that our relationship with God Almighty is what provides us the opportunity to accomplish that purpose. 
as we face difficult times, as we face trying circumstances, the God of patience and consolation is able to grant to us like-mindedness toward him that we might be able to accomplish the one goal that he has set. And that goal is to reach a lost and dying world. Listen, my friends, we might be different, but when we come together with the same mindset of reaching the goal of Christ, we will be unified. And as we're unified, much great work can be accomplished. Notice our praise in verse number six, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. One cannot ignore the reference to corporate praise that Paul is speaking of here. But if that is all that we get from this statement, then we have missed the true depth of his words. In essence, Paul here is proclaiming that as the body functions as it should, everything that we do and everything that we say glorifies God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to come together here on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, whenever it is. We ought to be able to lift up our voices and praise to the Lord as we sing the hymns. We ought to be able to come to the altar and praise Him for His glorious gifts, no doubt. But what Paul truly is stating here, that when the body of Christ functions together like it ought to, when we come together being different but unified with the same goal in mind, the same will of, of God in mind, that we are able to come together and everything we say and everything we do, everything we accomplish in the will of God, proclaims to a lost and dying world how great and magnificent God is. How in the world can we accomplish such things with such a vast difference of people? Because we're all unified with the same goal. You say, Pastor, why, why does it seem like no one can get along in this world? Because everyone is different. And because everyone is different with a sin nature, it immediately causes conflict. And they don't have a perfect unifying factor in their life but the church of god does my friends we come together here we all be we might all be different we might all have different backgrounds we all might even have different tastes and preferences but when we all come here with the same mindset of fulfilling the will of god in our differences we accomplish more than anyone could ever imagine why because it's the power of god that accomplishes it, accomplishes it through his people and as his will is accomplished and the world at large sees all that is being accomplished through the power of God, it is, an, it, is a, it is a magnifying praise to God for his magnificent work in our lives. We praise him individually, yes, but our work together in unity brings honor and glory to him and proclaims him to a lost and dying world as well. Notice lastly in verse number seven, our position though as well, as he says in verse number seven, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. The church is challenged to receive each member in the same manner that Christ has received them. Let me ask you something. When you came to know Christ as your savior, he received you into, into his family and gave you salvation because of your many talents, right? I mean, after all, when you came and said, hey, God, would you save me, Christ? I believe that you're the only way of salvation. He looked down upon you and said, okay, I'm going to save you because you've got a lot to offer me. That's exactly, the, that's why he did it. No, no, exactly not. He saved us because he loved us. He saved us in spite of us. He received us even though we weren't worthy. What Paul is saying here that we as a body of believers are to receive one another in the same manner, in the same fashion that Christ has received us. 
how often do we look at one another and say, hmm, I don't really know if I can interact with them. They aren't quite like me. How would you like it if that's how God received you? We look across the auditorium, and we, if we're not careful, we can, set the ch- we can allow the church to become into, into groups or to cliques and things, and, and that isn't unity. That just harms the church. If there's anything that I, I dislike about a two-service schedule is the fact of how it can become two churches. And that isn't bringing honor and glory to the Lord. We ought to receive one another, the Scripture says, as Christ has received us. The Lord embraced us where we were, as we were. The only requirement that was necessary was faith. We ought to receive each other in the same manner. In essence, Paul is saying this. There is no I in team. There's no big I's or even little U's. We're all on the even playing field. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And as we come to the Savior in faith, unworthy of His love, we come in together as one, with one another and we include and we accept one another, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. It's based off of our position. We are the Lord's. And notice verse number seven, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. When we function in such a way, notice what he says again. It brings glory to our Lord. That's our whole purpose in our lives. As we live to proclaim his glory to a lost and dying world. Can I say this morning that as I consider what Paul has written here, the first part of chapter 15, it's been very challenging to me to consider what the Lord has done, the example that he has set for us. It's not the easiest thing ever to be able to live like Christ every day, is it? But this has been a challenge that has been given to each and every one of us. My friends, if the Lord has challenged us with with this life, with this example, then ultimately through his power we can accomplish this work. The Lord isn't going to ask us to do something that he's not going to empower us to be able to accomplish. As we consider these simple truths that are easy to understand, we realize that many congregations fail at them. I wonder, am I the reason why the church is failing to function as God would want it to function? Have I not sacrificed like God would call me to sacrifice? Am I not being there to support like the Lord would have me to support and edify someone else? Have I considered the obedience of my Savior and tried to follow and walk in His example? When times get tough, because they will get tough, have I failed to consider the ordinances of Scripture that's been given to me for my edification, that I might be uh, encouraged through it? Have I failed to consider the purpose of my functioning within the body of Christ? If I fail to be the part that allows the body of Christ as a whole to truly proclaim praise to the Lord? Have I failed to maybe receive one 
into the, into the fellowship of the congregation because I fail to consider our position with one another? I ask myself these questions. I encourage you to ask yourself these questions. What part do I play? Am I following the example that the, that the Lord has set for me? I wonder how much is being missed out on in accomplishing the work of God and receiving the blessings of God because I'm not fulfilling my role. Instead of complete surrender and submission to Him, I'm holding back. And I'm saying, my will be done. Instead of, Lord, your will be done. That's a question that I must answer for myself. And my friends, that's a question that you must answer for yourself as well. Just like any sports team, they are only as strong as their weakest member. And Mountain Vista Baptist Church is only as strong as its weakest member. Because each and every one of us has a part to play. Each and every one of us has a function within this body. Are you following what I'm saying here? And if one of us, just one of us, isn't functioning in the position that the Lord has gifted us in, we truly are hindering the work that could be accomplished. The Lord doesn't need me, but he's good enough to allow me to be a part of it. Would to God that I not squander the opportunity that he's given me. Would you ask yourself the question, Lord, am I following your example? Am I fulfilling my role? I know there's guests from other places. If you have a church that you faithfully attend there, you ought to ask your question, yourself this question concerning the church that you regularly attend or that you're a member of. Am I fulfilling the position or the role that the Lord has given me? Am I following his example of sacrifice and support? Would you stand to your feet with me, please? As we consider the sacrifice of our Lord, can I re rem help remind you that he did that for you? He sacrificed himself so that you might know him, that, that you might have a relationship with God. He loved you enough to give his entire life so that you might have salvation. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning out of respect of others and their privacy. But I wonder how many here would say, Pastor, I know for sure without a doubt that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. And if I were to stand before God today, I'd hear, welcome home, child. I'd love to rejoice with you. Would you just slip up your hand as a testimony of that? Slip a hand up and right back down, hands all across this auditorium. Praise God to be in the presence of other believers today. But I wonder if there would be someone here this morning who would be honest and say, Pastor, I am not sure that heaven's my home. I'm not sure that if I die today that I would have a home in heaven, that I've ever trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Can I remind you again of the sacrifice that the Lord gave his life for you? Now, the, the, the ultimate downside of not trusting Christ is, of course, the fact that we will spend an eternity in a place called hell. That's horrible. But I don't want to focus on the bad today. I want to focus on the greatness. 
And that is the fact that God loves you. And that if you would trust him as your savior, you can have a relationship with the God of all the universe. You can have a a relationship with the God who created you. And it's available to you because of the sacrifice that Jesus gave when he died on the cross. Now, if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I am not sure that heaven's my home. I'm not sure I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. No one's looking around with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you just simply this one question. Would you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I'd love to pray for you that the Lord would give you the faith to trust him today. And if that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up and write back down? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure that heaven's my home. Could Could I pray for you this morning? Just slip your hand up and write back down. Then one last question. How many here would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know heaven's my home. And whether this be your church here at Mountain Vista or whether you're out of town and you have a church that you attend uh, somewhere else, but you say, Pastor, as I consider the message from the word of God today, as I consider my responsibilities as a believer of sacrifice and support, when I consider the representation that has been given to me of our Savior's obedience and the Scripture's ordinances, We consider our relationship that the Lord has given me and the purpose of this relationship, our praise in this relationship and our position in this relationship. My friend, can I ask you this question? How many who would say, Pastor, pray with me today that I would follow the example that Christ has set before me, that I would use the gifts he's given me for his honor and for his glory, and that I would fit the position that he has for me within this body Can I pray with with you this morning? Slip your hand up and right back down. Hands all across this auditorium. I'm going to pray. And when I'm finished praying, the music's going to begin to play. As the music begins to play, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar if you're able. Right here at the front, these steps in front of me will be an altar. If you'd like to bow and, and, and pour your heart out to God and say, God, here, I need your help to be able to follow your example. If you're unable to kneel at the altar right there in the comfort of your own seat, I'd encourage you to call out to the Lord. But if the Lord spoke into your heart in any way, I hope that you would that you would respond and that you would give him your heart today. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word that uh, that you've given us today. And Lord, I ask now that you would just help us to to follow the example that you've given us and uh, meet the responsibilities that you left for us here as believers in this body of believers here today, that you'd help us to uh, to follow your example that we would use the scripture to encourage us when times get tough. And that, Lord, that we would never forget the relationship that we have in you to help us and to empower us to accomplish your work. Lord, have your will and your way in this invitation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music begins to play this morning, if the Lord spoke into your heart, I invite you to come to the altar or right there in the comfort of your seat if you're unable to kneel. But however the Lord has spoken to your heart today, would you respond to him? fact that the God of all the universe has pricked your heart and has spoken to you about uh, the, uh, the need today. Our Lord has spoken. I would encourage